Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British royal history. Before we get into today's royal residence, we do have some more royal news updates. Some good, some bad, some interesting. Both Prince Charles and Prince William have gone to see the Duke of Edinburgh at hospital. He is still there right now. Reports are that he is fine and in good spirits. We as the public know that he has some form of infection, though we don't know exactly what kind of infection. They're leaving it kind of open-ended. Many more royals have either gone to visit him or talked to him on the phone to check in, and all reports across the board are saying he's fine. The staff working have said he was fine and in good spirits, so it's just a matter of time before he bounces back. As of the time of recording, he was still there, and it looks like Prince Philip will be staying there for a little bit longer. Also this week, the Duchess of Kent celebrated her birthday, so congratulations and how happy birthday to the Duchess of Kent. And lastly, there are still lots of gossip and rumor stories around the Duke and Duchess of Sussex officially leaving royal work. Magazines and tabloids and newspapers alike have been reporting many stories about pain, sadness, and maybe betrayal felt between the royal brothers. It is reported that Prince Harry did call the Queen and other royals to ask about Prince Philip's condition, so maybe things aren't as bad as the tabloid news are trying to report. Prince Harry even went so far as to say that he is quarantining at home in California just in case he needs to go home. So things are a little bit, in my opinion, things aren't as bad as the tabloids like to make it out to be. There was also a virtual appearance of Prince Harry and Meghan earlier this week. It was at some type of talk or convention type digital ordeal. And all that everybody seems to be talking about is what the Duchess is wearing and how at times Prince Harry looked a little bit miserable. So that's sort of wrapping up with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. There's also been reported that the Queen will be talking on the exact same day that the Tell All Oprah interview will be released on March 7th. It is supposed to be remarks about the Commonwealth and other positive news to try to sort of counteract exactly what may be coming out in the interview. The royal family has no idea what is going to be coming out in that, so it's their way of doing preemptive damage control. Lastly, it has been reported that the Earl of Strathern, the Queen's cousin and the family of the Queen Mother, has been arrested and thrown in jail after a sex attack at the family seat, Glamis Castle. Lord Strathern pleaded guilty to attacking a woman in February of 2020. It has been reported that he forced his way into the sleeping woman's room while he was hosting an an event and proceeded to assault her. He ignored her pleas, and after the attack, she fled the castle in the morning and subsequently went to the police. 
In addition to his prison sentence, he has been placed on the official sex offenders register for at least 10 years. Now, in all the reports that I've read, the victim has remained anonymous, and that is completely within her right. She's working through a lot of trauma and PTSD from the event, so I hope that she gets the help she needs, does has the care that she needs in order to get better, and I'm happy that, you know, the Earl of Strathern was held accountable and has subsequently facing the consequences. This week... In terms of royal residences, and to make an abrupt tone change, we are heading into Scotland, and we have arrived at Balmoral Castle. This is one of the larger estates owned by the Queen at around 50,000 acres. It is privately owned, meaning that the Crown Estate has no control over it. It is completely independent and is funded out of the Queen's money. Being one of the favorites of the family, it it is a place where they can escape not only royal work, but also media and can exist more as the family they try to be given the extraordinary circumstances with which they exist. We have all heard of the famous Balmoral Tests, famously talked about in the press and royal correspondence, and we saw brought to life in season four of The Crown. It is famously said that the one Lady Diana Spencer experienced at her stay, sealed her fate in becoming the Princess of Wales, but we will never know if that is 100% for certain. Balmoral Castle, in my personal opinion, is one of my more favorite residences. It's tied with Windsor Castle. It has a deep and rich history, one of love and passion and escapism. So stay tuned as we head off to Balmoral. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My sources for today is a wonderful book by Alan Tishmarch titled The Queen's Houses, Royal Britain at Home. I would 100% recommend it to anyone who wants to know more about royal residences. It has great pictures and wonderful, not only general history, but fun facts as well. So it's a wonderful addition to anybody's collection. Balmoral Castle is located in Royal Deeside, Aberdeenshire, Scotland. It is near the village of Craith, which is about nine miles west of Balter and about 50 miles west of Aberdeen. In terms of residences held by the Queen, this one is relatively new when compared to others we have talked about. Buckingham Palace came into royal hands around 1761. Windsor Castle has been a royal residence since around the 11th century, and Kensington Palace came into royal hands in 1689. Balmoral became a private residence owned by the royal family in 1852. So speaking of which, that's not too long ago. The royal family typically spends the summer holiday at Balmoral, so from around late July slash August through to the end of September, sometimes into October. 
Additionally, it is known that whomever's prime minister at the time is invited up to Balmoral for fun and for events for weekends or for maybe a week. In the book At Home with Diana, Deb Stratus, when she visited Balmoral to try to understand more Princess Diana's locations in a series of books that she's put out, she made note of how long it takes to get up there and exactly how remote it is. You don't think of how remote this estate is, but she made note that it took a while to get to Balmoral through car and train. It took about a day's travel. On top of how cold it is, even in the summer, Balmoral has a very rich and interesting history, and it has very much been a passion project of the royal family. We can credit Balmoral to Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. However, like other royal residences, it didn't start out as an official royal residence owned by the sovereign of England and the United Kingdom. We have to travel back in time for a bit, and we have to go back to King Robert II of Scotland. He had a hunting lodge in the area of Balmoral. Uh, historical records show that there was a house at Balmoral that was built by Sir William Drummond in 1390. But then this, uh, the estate was later tenanted by Alexander Gordon, the second son of the first Earl of Huntley. And there was apparently a tower house built on the estate by the Gordon family. In 1662, the estate then passed to Charles Fockersons of Inverie. The Fockersons were Jacobite sympathizers, and they were involved in both the 1715 and 1745 rebellions. In all this fighting and rebellions, the Fockersons were forced to forfeit the estate, and it then passed on to the a different branch, not the Farkersons of Inverie, but it then got passed to the Farkersons of Augendrine. In 1789, the second Earl Fife acquired Balmoral from them, and then he started leasing it out. Sir Robert Gordon, the younger brother of the fourth Earl of Aberdeen, then acquired the lease in 1830. And then he made a huge amount of alterations to the original castle on the Balmoral estate. So <laughs> to review, I threw a lot of names out there. It was first owned by King Robert II of Scotland. It was a hunting lodge and it was then expanded in around 1390. And then the estate was then tenanted out uh, to Alexander Gordon and then in 1662, it was passed to the Farkersons of Inverie through fighting. They had to then give it to someone else, and then someone else bought it and started leasing it out. And then we then arrive at 1830, where the current leaseholder is the fourth, is Sir Robert Gordon, the younger brother of the fourth Earl of Aberdeen. Queen Victoria and Prince Albert I visited Scotland in 1842, and they stayed in Edinburgh and they would subsequently return to Scotland a few times after that, most notably in 1844 and 1847. A certain kind of love was beginning to form of Scotland. They were really drawn to Scotland and the Highland area. When Sir Robert Gordon died in 1847, his lease then went to the current Lord Aberdeen. In February of 1848, an arrangement was being made so that Prince Albert would acquire the lease and everything there at, at the current Balmoral. So it was the furniture, the staff, everything about it, but he hadn't seen the property at first. It was just 
hey, this lease is up. Do you want to take over part of it? Here's everything. Cool, great, sign it. However, they wanted to see it first. So the royal couple first arrived at the Balmoral Estate in September of 1848. Queen Victoria in her diary made note that the house was small but pretty, and in general, she seemed to like it. The surrounding hilly landscape reminded them of Albert's homeland in Germany, and Prince Albert was immediately drawn to this, and he fell in love with it. Not soon after their first impressions of the estate and beginning acquiring just the lease, major plans and renovations and changes were being carried out on the estate. John and William Smith were commissioned to design brand new offices, new cottages, and other outbuildings on the property. Improvements were being made to the woodland areas, gardens, and other estate buildings with the assistance of the landscape gardener, James Beattie, and possibly the painter, James Giles. That one is not 100% confirmed. While the main house was receiving major updates, so the actual original castle that was there, things were beginning to change. In 1849, instead of Prince Albert taking over the lease, he actually went ahead and just purchased the property. He bought everything out, all of it lock, stock, and barrel. The sale was officially completed in 1852, with the price at the time being £32,000, which in today's money, that's a little over £4.5 million. And officially, the royal family took control of the Balmoral estate later that autumn. Now, not only did it have the original Balmoral castle, but through negotiations, ultimately, they got the neighboring estate of Burke Hall and Aberglead Castle as well. So they not only got the main Balmoral estate, but they got two neighboring estates as well to make it one unified property. As they finally acquired Balmoral, we need to keep a few things in mind. Not only did the royal family at the time consist of Queen Victoria, Prince Albert, but three out of their eight children were already born and existing, and many more were shortly on their way. She had eight children. Additionally, there were a lot of staffers and other household staff that were there and that would travel with them, other courtiers, ladies-in-waiting, valets, equerries, everybody within the quote-unquote royal household. And it was huge. The original house on Balmoral was seen as too small and would not fit this growing family, both in terms of the immediate royal family, but everybody else that they brought with them. The original house was deemed too small. So early in 1852, William Smith was commissioned by Prince Albert to build a new home, even though there was a plot by a rival architect to try to take over the project. A different architect wanted it instead, but that did not work. The plot was unsuccessful. William Smith got the job, and he worked very closely with Prince Albert on this new estate. This new Balmoral Castle was very much a love child of Prince Albert. There were many times where the prince would work with Smith in grave detail over the plans, making sure they were perfect. Construction on the new castle began in 1853, and it was around 100 yards away from the original home. Now, not only did this provide better views to the new home, but keeping this distance allowed for the old house 
to stay built, and it offered the family a place to stay. They had a prefabricated iron building that Prince Albert saw at the 1851 Great Exhibition put on the property attached to the old castle to give them more space. So the royal family stayed in this small house while the new castle was being built beginning in the summer of 1853. By the autumn of 1855, the official royal apartments were ready to be lived in, so the private areas. But the tower was still under construction, and some of the staff areas weren't finished yet. So the royal family was able to move into the new castle, but the staff had to stay in the old house. Now, by coincidence, shortly after the royals arrived in the for the summer 1855 season, the news circulated about the ending of the Crimean War, resulting in a lot of celebrations. A lot of great things were beginning to happen there. The new and improved Balmoral Castle was officially completed in 1856, and the old castle was subsequently demolished. They did leave it up for a while as the staffs were transitioning out of the old castle into the new one, but the old castle has subsequently been demolished. It doesn't exist anymore. By the fall of 1857, there was a new bridge that um, across the D linking Craith to the Balmoral main, main estate. And then it was sort of officially in 1857, Balmoral was quote unquote done. However, there really wasn't a railroad at this time to get to Balmoral, so Queen Victoria and Prince Albert actually had to take a uh, royal yacht. The royal yacht at the time was the Victoria and Albert, and they had to sail around to get to Balmoral, and it wasn't until the 1860s, actually 1867, was when everything was done and a train was connected to Balmoral, so it made transportation a little bit easier. About the castle itself, Balmoral is built from granite. It consists of two main blocks, each one arranged around a subsequent courtyard. The southwest block contains the main rooms, while the northeast block contains the service areas. At the southeast block, well, at the southeast corner, more specifically, there is an 80-foot-tall clock tower topped with multiple turrets, and the clock still works. Now, even for its time in the 19th century, it was considered to be a little dated and a little bit too Germanic of an exterior for what the, for what the Scottish were used to seeing at the time. It is believed that it looks a little bit too German, quote-unquote, because Prince Albert had so much of a say in the building of it, but it didn't really seem to bother anybody, but people have made note of that. Once in this castle, Queen Victoria and Prince Albert fully embraced this new Highland lifestyle. The interiors were decorated with rich tartan fabrics and other wonderful bold colors. And of course, it was mainly as a hunting lodge, so there's furs and trophies everywhere. They even went so far as to make their own special tartan fabric. There's a custom Balmoral tartan that has been made when they when they establish their Highland lifestyle. Now, while it's called a castle, much like, you know, in England, there's Highclere Castle, it actually functions more like a country home. It's not a traditional castle, quote unquote, used for battle and protection. It functions more as a country home. They attended the Highland Games in Braemar and Queen Victoria completely fell in love with, the, with Scotland. Historian Michael Lynch even commented that 
quote, the Scottishness of Balmoral helps to give the monarchy a truly British dimension for the first time. And having, and, end quote, and having Balmoral there really helped with PR for the, the royal family because as we know, it's very common to critique them for being too German. So having Balmoral and embracing the Scottish lifestyle really helped with their image. Prince Albert was known to always be fussing around and improving the estate grounds as best he could. He oversaw new projects on various plantations and projects on the grounds and in the gardens. Some commentators and diarists of the time even make the comment that while at Balmoral, the royals acted more like common people than they were royals. They were just like everyday people. There wasn't a lot of pomp and circumstance and grandeur to Balmoral. However, Prince Albert died in 1861, which left most of his projects to be completed by Queen Victoria. Subsequently, she would have many monuments erected in his memory on the grounds of Balmoral, which reinforces that Balmoral was his love child. It was his project. After his death, she would then subsequently spend about four months out of the year in Scotland at Balmoral. This is where people would become very critical of her in uh, being a widow. She either retreated to Windsor or she retreated to Balmoral and she really didn't want to spend much time in London because it reminded her too much of Albert and she was too sad and too much in her grief. In this period, she would famously become dependent on John Brown but that is a story for another day. During this time of mourning, she never really came out of mourning after Prince Albert died. She still saw a lot of very important uh, people and other heads of state and other sovereigns. Most notably, Balmoral even saw Tsar Nicholas II and Tsarina Alexandra of Russia. Um, Alex, as she was known, is allegedly Queen Victoria's favorite granddaughter. In the book, The Romanov Sisters, there's a lot of discussion about how Alex was the favorite granddaughter of Queen Victoria. With all this talk about how Balmoral was the favorite private home of Queen Victoria and Prince Albert, and it was a place where they could be themselves and be away from it all, after the death of Queen Victoria, as you would expect, Balmoral passed to King Edward VII, and has subsequently passed from sovereign to sovereign. Now, specifically with it passing to Edward VII, Queen Victoria and Edward VII had a very strange relationship. She really never forgave him for the death of Prince Albert. She blamed him because they went on a walk and it was raining and she placed a lot of blame. And so she really didn't give him a lot when she passed. And it put him in a very precarious situation because he now was sovereign and had actually more private residences than they do now. And he had to make a decision. He couldn't afford all of them. So much to the, the chagrin of the royal family at the time, he gave up Osborne House in order to save Balmoral. Still to this day, a lot of sportsmanship is still there. Many kings and of course Queen Elizabeth enjoyed the sportsmanship of it all. The, most of the routine and protocol and rigmarole still stands to this day. A lot of Balmoral really has remained unchanged. Of course, as each new sovereign has inherited Balmoral, they do make updates as living conditions change and time progresses, but most of Balmoral is still what Queen Victoria had. There's even the chair called, you know, that is Queen Victoria's chair that no one's allowed to sit in because that was her favorite chair. 
Now, while King Edward VII and subsequently King George V and George VI really liked Balmoral, King Edward VIII particularly didn't care for Balmoral. It didn't really fit in with what he liked to do, but he at least enjoyed it, but he didn't particularly care for it. There is a fun story about Balmoral. It is said that uh, during a party held by King Edward VIII and Wallace Simpson, the then Duchess of York, later the Queen Mother, refused to accept Wallace's hand, stating loudly that she was there to dine with the king and completely dismissed her. This was depicted in the film The King's Speech, and it's just a fun little gossip tale. To keep the family safe during World War II, no one went to Balmoral. They really didn't travel much during that time, and most of the German and Prussian names or anything else around there were removed in order to kind of keep everybody safe and to kind of remove a lot of Germanness from the castle. In her book, Lady in Waiting, My Life in the Shadow of the Crown, Lady Glen Connor has many stories about some fun at Balmoral when she was there with Princess Margaret as one of her ladies in waiting. Aside from the main Balmoral Castle, Burke Hall is quite a popular alternative residence on the estate. Currently, it is used by the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall as their own Scottish estates. Notably, they spent most of lockdown there, especially when the Prince of Wales was showing signs of COVID. They really locked down at Burke Hall away from it, from every, everybody. But Princess Diana did spend some time at Burke Hall. Edward VII, George V, and George VI all used it as well, and even the current queen has used it from time to time, both as a kid and as the sovereign. So Burke Hall is a very active estate on the grounds aside from the main Balmoral Castle. Fun fact, on the castle grounds, there's a lot of walkways and trails that you can take, and around the estate there are these things, I believe that's pronounced called uh, cairns. It's essentially a giant pile of stones erected in a general shape of a pyramid, and it's meant to landmark or remember events pertaining to the royal family. They were apparently used in time of war. When someone would leave, they place a stone, and if they came back, they would remove the stone. So in other places, they do have very significant meaning. And we can see a little bit of that depicted in The Crown Season 1 and Season 2 when talking about Princess Margaret's relationship with um, with group captain Peter Townsend. In negotiations, the Queen brought, and you could see their little pile of stones that they placed. So there's a little bit of significance there. But the first one was officially made in 1852 by Queen Victoria and Prince Albert, and it's called the Purchase Cairn. Of course, marking the celebration that, hey, we bought this, we bought this estate. There are many other ones scattered around the grounds that are usually there for marriages. So all, all of Queen Victoria's children have their own and other significant events. The last one that was placed was in 2012 to mark the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. But there was a huge gap of well over 100 years in between that cairn and the last one placed. It was during the reign of Queen Victoria when the last one was placed. Balmoral has seen a lot of history play out within its halls, more specifically in the 90s. The scandalous photos of Sarah, Duchess of York, surfaced into the media when the entire family was at Balmoral in 1995. And as we know, those photos were sort of the nail in the coffin that was the marriage between the Duke of York and Sarah, Duchess of York. Balmoral would also be the backdrop for the family when they received the news of the death of Diana, Princess of Wales. 
At the time, the family was heavily criticized for spending too much time at Balmoral because of the news. But now it's been through research and documentaries and stuff that's been released to, to the family that they were they stayed there that long to protect the young princes, uh, Prince William and Prince Harry, to be there for them and to keep them away from the media. Balmoral is a full-functioning hunting lodge and country home. On the 50,000 acres, there are large moors for hunting, forest lands, pastures, and farmlands, which are used for various animals, such as deer, cattle, and ponies, just to name a few. It is very much a full-functioning, self-sufficient estate. The royal family enjoys hunting on the moors, fishing in the various rivers and lakes, and other sports. In 1931, the grounds of the castle were made open to the public, and you could tour them. And still to this day, you can do that. The, um, it's just the grounds, though. And I've been told they're quite lovely. Today, the grounds of the castle are open from April to, Ju- to July, right up until the queen gets there. And there's lots of trails and various gardens, that other fun trails on the estate that you can experience. And it all culminates at the very end to going into the ballroom. The ballroom gets turned into a little shop. They have little various trinkets and souvenirs and other things made on the estate, such as jams, jellies, and stuff like that. On the estate, they do have a whiskey distillery, and I've heard the whiskey's quite good. However, being in America, I can't have it shipped here, at least right now. But one day, I will get there and I will try it. Balmoral has been depicted many times in films and in shows. Of course, most notably, it was the main backdrop for the 2006 smash film The Queen, starring Dame Helen Mirren. It was also featured in the 2010 film The King's Speech. We've seen it depicted in The Crown uh, multiple times throughout the seasons, and it was featured as a backdrop for a film about the relationship between Queen Victoria and John Brown. Of course, they do not use the real Balmoral. They either have stock footage that they use for the exterior and is built on a soundstage, or much like the crown and the king's speech, they and uh, the queen, they use other homes that fit the similar decor to stand in for it. They don't they do not have permission to film at Balmoral. Of course, there are the famous Balmoral tests, but what exactly are those? That, dear listeners, is another story for another day. Balmoral Castle is one of the favorite residences of the royal family because it allows them to let their hair down, to be away from the news and the media and interact as a family. People who have been there made note that even to this day, it's rather informal, making them feel more like regular people and not the royals that they are. They can forget the extraordinary circumstances that they live in. But the queen still does not miss one red box. They still get delivered there. She's not off duty. Personally, it's one of my favorite castles that are owned by the royals. It's what I like to imagine when I think of a castle. It's mysterious, dark, it's in the for it's in this beautiful, large, sprawling forest and estate grounds. And 
it's a force to be reckoned with. It's a very imposing and intimidating fortress. There was an almost scandal a few years ago where it was alleged that Scotland wanted to break away from the UK amongst all the Brexit issues, but I haven't heard much about it ever since. I don't know if they found a resolution or not. Um, Of course, with COVID being in the world right now, there are more important things to be reporting on. But there was a lot of question of, okay, if Scotland leaves the UK, what does that mean for Balmoral? What does that mean for the royal family? But, of course, that's have since been squelched, at least in the media outlets that I've read. But that, dear listeners, is a brief overview into the famous Balmoral Castle, bought as a way to embrace not only the Scottish lifestyle, but as a way to escape and was a love project of Prince Albert. Let me know what royal residences would you like to hear about next. Do you have a favorite royal residence? Have you toured any of them? Because personally, I would love to know if you have and what impressions you had. Thank you for stopping by the podcast today. I'm really glad you came. If you want to email me to let me know how I'm doing, you can email me at britishroyalfanpod at gmail.com or you can head over to twitter and follow me there at fanatic underscore royal i like to interact with all of you as best i can to make the podcast the best it can be and on twitter i post more updates in real time about the royal family head on over to either anchor google podcast spotify apple podcast or wherever you are currently listening rate, review, subscribe, and share. Let me know how I'm doing so I can improve it for all of you. And of course, the more you rate and review and share, it bumps us up here at the podcast, up on the lists, and it can help expand and grow the podcast family. As always, have a great rest of your day. Stay safe, stay healthy, and I will see you in the next one.